Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Tal Gurr. Tal is a blogger, coach, lifestyle entrepreneur, and devoted adventurer. He's the creator of the blog Fully Lived, where he's documented his personal journey to complete 100 life goals in 10 years. He's tackled financial, physical, and spiritual dreams one by one. Some of these include completing an Ironman in New Zealand, creating financial independence as an entrepreneur, surfing at some of the world's most sought-after beaches, and helping a Peruvian family rebuild their flood-ravaged home. He's the author of the book, The Art of Fully Living, One Man, 10 Years, 100 Life Goals Around the World. I'm so excited to have him on the show today. All right. So basically, 10 years ago, um, I was 30 years old. I was in Australia. I just moved to Australia. Um, and I basically asked, asked myself, what's next in life? And uh, I had a conversation with two friends of mine. And one of my friends said, uh, well, yeah, we talked about bucket list, life goals, and, and those kind of things. And my friend said, I don't set life goals I, because my dad died when he was 40 years old. And when he said that, something really hit me. Like, I asked myself, how would I live my life if I only had 10 years to live? Again, back, back then I was 30 years old. And uh, that actually kind of energized me. I went back home and made a, a big list of 100 life goals. I divided them to kind of 10 categories and decided that I'm going to live like I only have 10 years. And that's basically started a whole journey. What were some of the goals that you put together when you first put that list? Well, uh, there's, there's 100 life goals, yes, yeah, so it's, it's quite an extensive list. But what I made sure is that every year I, I, I go after at least one big goal, really big goal. So as I said, like every, there were 10 categories, so every year I change a category. And so, for example, there was the year of socializing, there was the year of fitness, the year of freedom. And just, just as an example, so the, let's say the year of fitness, uh, the big goal was Ironman triathlon. And the year of uh, freedom, it was financial freedom. And what I did is I kind of achieved like milestone goals in, in between them. For example, during the year of freedom, there was like clearing my debt, uh, creating passive income, achieving location independence until I got to, I got to my goal, which was financial freedom that year. Why do you think you've been so effective at achieving your goals? Because I know there's a lot of people who are listening to this and they, they set goals and they have uh, trouble structuring them and, and getting into a routine. But one of the things that you've done uh, effectively is go after your goals and achieve them. So what do you think the difference is? I think the difference is inspiration. So I'll give an example. During the year of fitness, um, my big goal was Ironman triathlon. When I trained for uh, like a little triathlon, I mean, I'm talking like years before, I wasn't that motivated. I was like, I would I had to wake up in the morning and push myself, and it was it was unmotivating. And uh, the Ironman triathlon was so inspiring for me that even though it was challenging, I was able to really go after it. It's almost like it's one of those dreams where you like say, this is a lifetime dream. And another thing, another difference I think is what I called immersion. So basically, as I said, every year I change an area of focus which allowed me to immerse myself in the area, which makes it more fun, more, there's more focus. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, it's very powerful, actually, like uh, using immersion. So when you use immersion, what does that start like, right? Because do you, just, do you mean that you solely focus on that and immediately go out and try to find everybody you 
can possibly find in that space? And do, like, what is starting that process? Because towards the end of that year, you're probably much more immersed than you are when you were starting. Yeah. Well, when I started, I was a little bit more logical and I had a very clear process, you know, habits. And as you said, support is important. And I actually talk about it in my book. Uh, but, you know, when I kind of like advance, let's say, I, I managed to inc incorporate a little bit more intuition, a little bit more flow to basically allow the universe to support me. But uh, how does it start? Like, you know, immersion in general is basically say, I put most of my focus in that area. And maybe I can give an example. So the year of socializing was my first year. My big goal was around English. I, so I, I kind of said, all right, I'm going to socialize a lot. So I decided, okay, I'm going to go every weekend. Every weekend I'm out, no matter if I'm, you know, how I feel. And, and basically that was my biggest passion this year, like socializing. I didn't think too much about fitness. In t I mean, I maintain fitness, but I didn't think about like fitness goals or I didn't think about even um, financial goals. On the contrary, I spent a lot of money actually because my big goal was socializing. And what are some of the, some of the things that you started to do? Did you just go out to events? Did you, what was your sort of process? So back then I really liked, you know, the whole idea of bars, pubs, nightclubs and so forth. Um, I, I, I created like some, I mean, goals are, are, are interesting. It's a story, uh, but it's just a story. Yeah? So one of the things that I, I created was like a 16 nights out. So where like I went out every night for 16 nights in a row. And I made, I made a big deal out of that. Like I, I told everyone I know and friends joined me. And the last night was like kind of 11 bars in 11 hours. So every, every hour we changed a bar and suddenly there were 20 people. I mean, it was fun. You know, I kind of created things that will support me in what I was really after, which was mastering English. I figured that if I, if I socialize a lot, my, my, my English skills will improve. And uh, not only my English skills, obviously feeling, back then I was in Australia, yeah, I moved to Australia, so I really wanted to feel at home in Australia. That was the big goal. So just going out and connecting with people. Yes. And also, you know, women and relationships. Like I remember it started, you know, when I, when I moved to Australia, I moved as a student. I went to do my master's degree there. And I, and I always felt like an outsider. I was like a migrant or a student or international student. And I, and I would look like, you know, at like, let's say kind of real Australians, like uh, in that sense. And I was like, I felt like a gap. Right. I couldn't express myself the way I wanted to express myself. So basically, I couldn't connect with people. I couldn't connect, connect with the country. I couldn't connect with women. It was it was half living, really. It wasn't like living fully, which basically that's that was what I was really about, like living a full life. Well, what are some of the other goals? I'm, I'm just more curious about what the listeners can pick up from your process, because your process seems to be different than what a lot of other people are doing. As a consequence, you seem to be getting better results. Yes. So like, I'll give an example. So the last year, actually, year number 10 was the year of creativity. And to be honest, when I started my journey, again, as I said, I was pretty logical. I came from a computer science background. I never really played anything musical. I never. So I basically made sure that I have a lot of fun in terms of creativity. So some of the goals were learn to drum and not just learning to drum, actually appear on stage in front of people and make it fun, yeah, like drum in front of them. So I actually drummed uh, in the Israeli Burning Man in front of 10,000 people, that was pretty fun. Or uh, also I, I learned imp improv theater, and then at the end of the goal, I kind of appeared on stage. Again, just to make it like more, I would say, not just the learning, but also like 
kind of like really be there and do that in front of people, you know. And the same thing about the, the big goal of that year was uh, was a book as well. So uh, writing a book and sharing it and then actually taking it to a bestseller status and kind of making fun and really grow as much as I can in that area. Yeah, it's amazing. I think it's super cool. So what was the process for that like? Did you just sort of have these sort of capstones? Like you said, okay, I want to drum, but I don't want to drum at my house. I actually want to perform for somebody or I'm going to write, but I want I want to actually publish. It sounds like you had some pretty clear outcomes for each of these creative endeavors. Is that true? Yeah, I really believe that you want to be specific uh, with your goals. Uh, I mean, you can have a vague vision or a vague direction, but once you have the direction, then I think like setting goals, like almost like milestone, it's not really about the goal. It's really about you growing from the goal. Yeah. So you kind of choose a goal that will allow you to grow the most or you derive whatever, whatever you want to derive, passion or happiness, whatever you want to derive from that. Uh, I mean, I, I have my own processes, how to achieve goals. For example, I, I really believe in support. So I sometimes I hire coaches, even for drumming, I hire someone to, to coach me. Uh, for my book as well, I, I had like a writing coach. Um, I really believe it, you know, I had like a, a journey like of surfing around the world and I really struggled with surfing. Uh, I don't know, it was so, so hard for me. And at the end, like I, I just hired the, a surfing coach, you know, in, um, I just I felt like okay why why is it different than than hiring a coach in fitness it's not different really like someone can actually look at me and 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 see things that I may not see um and so I think like coaching is a big or support let's say having a support system is a, is a big uh, component of of kind of my process so I'm actually I'm a coach as well yeah like a business coach life coach for the last 10 years and and my style is a little bit different than other other coaches and maybe I don't fit um, like certain clients because of that. So um, some people need real structure. Some people actually need motivation or empowerment, let's say, or someone that just like going to cheer them along the way so they don't feel lonely. I think the big thing with a coach is not just the, let's say, the, the experience he has or certain knowledge he has, is his ability to empower you. And a lot of time, it's not even about the coach himself. It's about how the client perceives the coach. I don't want to even use client, you know. It's like how a person perceives someone else. And, and presence is also very important. Just feeling that, you know, there's someone who's been there uh, is a big deal. Basically, I want to say something here. I think Tony Robbins said that, that actually mechanics are only the 20%. It's really about the mindset. And a lot of time, like, we really rush into the mechanics. How do I achieve financial freedom without, like, figuring out a lot of things that come before it, like, in terms of beliefs that, you know, limiting you in terms of, like, even, like, creating space in your life, in terms of making sure that it's a sustainable journey and it's not just, like, you know, birth of, of, of motivation. So there's a lot that goes into that. So I think a good coach can really read what the other person needs and then, like, give it to him. So what is your process for that? You sit down with the client. I mean, you've done a lot of extraordinary things, but how do you how do you scale that, right? And how do you transfer that to another human being? So what are some of the things that you do when you first sit down with a client and they say, I have this goal, where do I start? What do I do next? What What is that process like for you? I usually start by trying to find the 
the weak areas, right? Because I, I really believe in, in a kind of a holistic approach. So for example, let's say your goal is around financials, all right? Like whatever business, but if your relationships or like something in your fitness, maybe you don't, you don't lack energy and those kind of things, are, it will always like hold you back. So what I do is I find kind of those kind of weak links. And when we find those weak links, we really work, first of all, on the mindset, all right? So exploring beliefs, uh, bringing them to the surface. A lot of time we're not aware of them, and there's a process to kind of uncover those beliefs and also to change them. And sometimes it's a slow process, sometimes it's fast. It really depends on the person. Um, and of course, there's the, structu the structure. And I can talk a little bit about my structure, but I don't think it is as important as the mindset. So what type of mindset do you think best leads to sort of desired outcomes? Well, again, it depends on, on what you want, all right, and also why you want it. So, again, exploring the why, exploring limiting beliefs. Uh, I really believe, believe in emotions, like in the sense of that what type of emotions you have or maybe they or, or lack even, like they're not, they're not there, and then ask questions to reveal the why behind that because every emotion, there's a belief behind it, all right? So I basically reverse engineer it. Rather than, like, I basically say, oh, here's an emotion. You're angry right now. Why are you angry? And then you can find beliefs that either, the way I look at it, beliefs are not the truth. They're either empowering beliefs or there's limiting beliefs, depending on where, you, where you're heading, depending on the direction. So, so that's what we do. We really uncover those things, and then there's a process to change them, all right, to change the beliefs. And, it, and also, again, it depends on the person. There's a lot of great motivational stuff, and I agree. I, I think... A lot of the currency of life and relationships is really about emotions and how we feel and how we feel when we're interacting with somebody, how, how people feel about us. And I think that can be extended in a lot of ways to life. But if somebody's listening to this, I want them to not only be motivated, but I want them to take some specific things away that they can use and attempt to apply. I think that idea of finding a point of friction and then asking yourself why. I often tell people to journal. It's through journaling that um, we often recognize and document points of friction and then you can start asking those why questions i'm curious you might have some other process for doing that uh, i think conversations are also a great point i just i think it's really important that people document these things because uh, once they they sort of pinpoint they can work backwards but yeah I, i'm just curious if someone's listening to this they have all these great ideas i just want them to take some specific things that they can walk away with and use cool so the first thing i would say is like um, the beliefs about your beliefs so, for example, I, I threw a belief there that beliefs are not the truth, right? That's, that's a belief that I hold. Uh, if I believe it, it's the truth, I may, it may be very hard for me to change, change it when, when, let's say, a new truth is coming. So for me, always it, another belief that I have, that the truth is always in the moment, and which allows me, allow me again to change my truth, all right, and or be open to, to new, new information that comes to me. So it's really important, first of all, like, what do you believe about your beliefs? That's where I would start. Then in terms of like um, changing beliefs, I mean, they, it can be really hard and it can be very easy. You can change your belief just because you, you made a decision, just because you decided it's enough. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, people get to a point where they created so much pain in the body that there's no other way besides like moving or changing, uh, making a change. So uh, I would say like, you know, 
it's good to kind of bring a lot of awareness into your life in general. So uh, journaling, writing is, is, is one way to do, the, to do so. But I would say like just in general, like being more aware of your emotions and being more aware of why those emotions been, have been created. That's basically what I do all the time. It's a never ending process. And I don't think I'll ever uh, uncover all the beliefs that I have, all right? But every, every major belief can be an opening to something else. So I'll give an example. So for example, um, in terms of emotions, all right, like uh, if like, you know, if I feel, if, I, if someone like kind of annoys me, all right, like I feel annoyed by someone. First of all, I never blame the other person or I never like actually make it about the other person. He can't do anything to me in terms of the emotion. The emotion is always created by me. Because the minute I say, you made me unhappy, you basically give your power away. And the idea here is to empower yourself. And in order to empower yourself, you have to take responsibility on your emotions. You have to, to say, like, I created this emotion. I annoy myself. Or I make myself unhappy because of another person. And it's never about the other person. It's never about the story or the event or the situation. It's always about something in you, all right? And you create it. And there's a reason why you create it. You may create it to motivate yourself, or you may create to feel connected. You may create it for whatever reason, so understanding the reason. Now, here's the thing that I want to say here. This is a very logical process, all right? Like constantly being awareness and constantly bring like, you know, the why question. I don't necessarily recommend it all the time, uh, but I also recommend uh, what I call experiments. Treat like your life as a, as a, a, um, a lot of experiments that you're doing. So for example, let's, let's say you want to start a business. In, rather than like you have to, succeed in that in the business you say i'm experimenting with like uh you know launching a business the reason we label it as an experiment it will allow you to be a little bit more light and not serious or heavy or even attached to the goal the reason i'm saying it is really important about big goals because big goals sometimes we don't go after them because we're afraid to to fail and that's that's basically why i say like Whatever you want in life, whatever it's big as Ironman triathlon or financial freedom or as small as I don't know what, treat it as an experiment. And I think this is something I really believe in. Um, usually people that come to me, they come with really big dreams. And I can sense how they're touched and how they're afraid of achieving uh, their dream. And that's going to limit everything. So I, I think I, I threw here a lot of value. Uh, obviously, there's 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 more, but this is kind of like a, I think the fundamentals. Yeah, I think this is absolutely awesome. It sounds like the idea of experiments for you and for your clients it, just, it gives you the freedom in order to sort of make mistakes and and progress, really. Yeah, and also uncover beliefs because you're in action. When you're in action, in movement, and there's a lot of emotions coming in, like I don't know, launching a, a book, for example. What will happen? Will people like the book? Will I get bad review? All those kind of questions come. The action is is speeding up the whole belief uncovering and changing otherwise you can be in analysis paralysis your whole life including journaling including thinking you know i think like action is way more powerful sometimes than 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 brainstorming let's say it sounds like you might practice mindfulness but you also have sort of a very active approach so do you hit full throttle and go or do you have a process of of reflecting back and self-reflection as you pursue a goal 
Uh, I meditate every day. I mean, uh, there's reason, different reasons for meditation. It's, it's usually most people meditate for peacefulness or to feeling a little bit more relaxed or balance themselves. For me, I meditate for insights. I feel more connected when I meditate uh, to something bigger than me, let's say. Uh, and then the, a lot of insights can come because I'm quieting the mind. All right, so I have a whole process. Uh, I did vipassana, so I use vipassana meditation. I also do certain type of breathing meditation, which I incorporate into my other type of meditation. And I make sure kind of that I sit. I just sit every morning. Um, that that is like the basic, all right? Like meditation in the morning. Mindfulness in general, I believe you want to do it on your day-to-day. So even when you're waiting for a bus or you're like um, eating, it's not really like the, the sitting for one long hour and meditating and balancing yourself. It's more kind of doing it on ongoing basis. So you're not like constantly stuck in your mind. So can you talk a little bit about an example of some conflict that you had in your life and how to use these two skill sets to help you overcome them? First of all, I always have <laughs> conflicts. Uh, in general, like I would say, no, I mean, I just threw here that like I always have conflicts. I don't really have always conflicts, but there's conflicts come up. Uh, and I give an example of conflicts. Like it could be that my heart tells me to go in certain direction, like whatever. Let's say approach uh, someone I like, and my mind sa- say, no, don't go there. Let's say focus on your business right now. Don't go out, save money. So there could be a conflict. Actually, I have a real, real example for my my journey. So uh, when I wanted to dance salsa or learn to dance salsa, my heart wanted to do that in Colombia. My mind, however, was like, why do you have to go to Colombia? Like, stay here. There's enough salsa clubs and whatever. So there was a conflict there. And the way I deal with conflict is basically um, negotiating, really. You can can look at it as a negotiation. So it's not that, let's say, the mind is better than the heart or the heart is better than the mind. It's like you can look at them almost like as like, let's say, two advisors, like thoughts or emotions. They almost like advise you. At the end of the day, you, which is in the, in the middle, you decide. Sometimes you listen to your mind. Sometimes you listen to your heart. And it really depends on the moment. And um, if you treat it like, you know, let's say your mind and your heart with respect, all right? You don't like kind of suppress your, 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 whatever your mind tells you, suppress what your heart tells you. You kind of must negotiate between them. Or like so, I'll give an, again a real example with the salsa. When I went to Colombia, I told my mind, "Okay, listen, I'm, we're going to Colombia, but during my Colombian time, we're going to to launch this course. So there's going to be like my income coming in. There's going to be like you know, I'm going to be like very. Uh, there's going to be routines. There's going to be habits. So it's not going to be just about fun. It's also going to be about like again." Money generation, which the mind loves, like, you know, uh, let's say structures and financials. And so I didn't neglect it. And that Sunday I found harmony, all right, with this negotiation. But it's not, it's not really easy sometimes to just negotiate between the two. That's where meditation can come. You quiet and everything. You sleep on things. You come more relaxed. You have more energy. And then you, you go into, like, creating harmony, basically, inside of you. I think that's awesome. And it's really interesting who you describe this process for yourself because I think a lot of people who they get an internal conflict where they just sort of end up in like a circle of conflict. I'm picturing like a washing machine, right? Just like going in circles and they, and they never really get out of it. But it seems like you're able to, to use this process of negotiation to move to something specific that furthers your life and your purpose. 
Sometimes it's actually not finding like, let's say a compromise or like, let's say a middle way. It sometimes say, you know what, you know what, like I go with my mind or let's say I go with my heart 100% right now. But tomorrow I'm going with my mind 100%. Suddenly the mind and the heart are relaxed. And maybe like I'll give an example with alcohol, all right? So let's say you're going out and you're like, you know, not sure if you want to get drunk or you don't want to get drunk. But your heart really wants to feel, you know, loose and just like, you know, get another shot or whatever. You can tell yourself, you know what, tonight I'm going to be like, you know, drinking, whatever. But tomorrow I'm going to be very, very like, you know, uh, kind of whatever the mind wants. Like if, if it's business or if it's like, you know, your job or whatever. So you're kind of negotiating in that sense, not just finding middle ground, but sometimes you give up, uh, you know, one time for, for another time. So I want to ask you to take a step back and talk to you a little bit about this list that you have. What, what are you working on now? I work on a really big project. Uh, it's in the travel market. I'm, it's still like, you know, it's still in, in process right now. So I haven't like launched it yet. So I'm kind of keeping it kind of secret. But I'm working on, on building kind of a big brand, something I'm really passionate about. Um, yeah, like, so it's, it's a lot of business. But the idea here is, is behind it as contribution. So I really believe that personal success is nice and it's important and even inner success, all right? Like, you know, but at the, the end of the day, we're here for fulfillment. We're here for contribution. We're here for, for like being of service for society. So if you ask me what I'm working on is working on being more of service to society and not just like focus on my personal success and oh, how cool I, I am or what I've achieved and all this kind of stuff. So how, how do you approach that? I mean, you just wake up in the morning and walk around wherever you're at, sort of like trying to do good deeds, or it sounds like you have a, <laughs> I mean, sort of what, what, what where, did, where, how do you approach this? It's funny, but like, to be honest, I, partly I do that. So every day I try to actually give, uh, and giving is a very broad term, all right? So uh, I challenge myself sometimes to give what I think that I can give, um, even like, you know, money-wise. All right. So sometimes I, I feel like, oh, no, this is the last, like, no, 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 I, I, it has to be in my pocket because I may need this money for later. And I challenge myself to give, let's say, all my money to, to someone just like that, just because that's what my intuition told me in the moment. That's like, you know, the small thing. So I try to do something every day in that sense, but it's kind of like almost like going to the gym and practice. But if you ask me about the overarching or like the big picture here, the big picture is to move away a little bit about uh, the me, 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 and I'm the center of the universe. And again, about the personal success and success in general. And I'm not saying it's bad. Actually, it's a very important component. Uh, uh, but at the end of the day, there's also like, you know, you like either you do it just for yourself or you do it for the for, for, for society. So I make sure that um, that I'm anchored in the service and not just the success. All right, so let's say I want to achieve success, but behind it, there's service. Like, I'll give an example. Let's say I create a book, but the book, you know what? There's nothing of service there. It's just about making money. It's just about, you know, there's plenty of books like that. Maybe even I manipulate people. I don't know what. That is a very, very basic level of growth. And a more, I would say, higher level is you create a book that is of real big service for society. And you're really passionate about it and you really give, give it everything in terms of service. Same thing of coaching. I mean, I can do it for money, which is important, but I can also do it as a service. 
and and there is a different feel to it and people feel it you know so in general we we are born with a lot of ego like um, in terms of like you know our parents like they give us and give us and give us and we're like we just want to say yeah yeah I want more I want more I want more but I think like to mature really is to a lot of people when they become parents they mature in terms of suddenly they start to give and they start to be of service for another human being or, or whoever. And so I feel this is where I'm heading because I don't have kids right now. But if I had kids, I, I would assume that that would be kind of say a step in that direction. How has this shift changed your life? First of all, it's extremely challenging. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm starting kind of like from scratch. <laughs> uh, it's almost like changing mindset, changing beliefs, you know, it's going against you know, think about it. Let's say I give the example of the money in your pocket, and you're like, "Really? No, 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 no. I, I can use it for, uh, you know, get more comfort or or eating something nicer or something like that." And just to give it away and trusting, you know, like that, like money will come your way later and and so forth. So I want to say it's very, very challenging, uh, but at the same time, it's very rewarding because there's a lot of growth. I really love growth. I live for growth. And so if you ask me how it changes my life, I, I mean, maybe you hear it in my voice. I'm pretty passionate. I'm pretty, you know, right now, this is, this is how I live my life because of that, because of the shift that I made. If I continued, like, you know, with the whole personal success and, and, and let's say even linear processes that I used to have, I would be bored. I would not necessarily create so much passion. So I, I think it, it's not necessarily changing my life, but I maintain passion. I feel that I'm growing and that's what's important. So it sounds like a core value for you is making sure whatever it is that you're doing is exciting. And when you talked about passion, you mentioned growth. So it sounds like there's a correlation there for you. Yes, growth is my biggest value, all right? And I think this is my core essence, not just because I decided with my, with my mind, I was born with that. If I look at my life, if I was aware or not aware or I lived in this country or that country, growth was always the big deal. Just to realize that was a big, big uh, shift for me to, to, to realize, oh, this is my essence. All right. And I think in terms of excitement, I, I don't necessarily treat excitement as, as uh, let's say, a positive emotion. Excitement sometimes could, you, could be, you can blind yourself. All right. Like because you, you're overly excited. So let's say, let's say a woman again, like when you're dating. You say, oh, this woman is amazing and amazing and amazing. You only see part of the truth. And so I really like the word aliveness, where you feel a grounded excitement, you could say. All right. So that's basically, and, and I think we all have that all the time. We just like not necessarily bring it to the surface. We always, we always have aliveness. But if we're, let's say, stressing ourselves too much or we're too much in our mind or not connected to our body, we can't feel the aliveness in our body, which is always there. So how, if somebody's listening to this and they're not feeling very alive, maybe that's why they're listening to this podcast, they read about you or they heard about you or, and they're sort of in a funk, how do they find and connect to that aliveness? I, I think it's pretty simple. First of all, uh, when you're in your mind a lot, you're not necessarily connected with your body, all right? So you're connected with your mind, you're connected with thoughts, you're connected with future and past. So to feel aliveness, you need to bring, first of all, bring it to the present moment. And also basically sensing, sensing, it could be anything, breathing, air, uh, it could be sight, whatever is, like bring more focus to the senses and not just the thought. The thoughts will always be there, they will come and go, there's no, there's no need to kind of 
resist it or stop it, but it's more of balancing it and basically kind of even like feel that you have a body. Right now, I, I speak with you and I can sense that I'm sitting on a chair. I can sense my body. I can sense my breathing. And that's a huge, huge shift from, let's say, 10 years ago where I was just, con just uh, basically get lost in thought and get lost in like my words. Uh, also, as I told you before, our, our podcast, I don't really prepare to podcast because I don't really want to be not in the mind. Sorry, I don't want to be in the mind solely. I want to be also like, you know, basically anchored in the present moment and whatever comes to me. Dating coach Chris Thoney here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchrisma.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. You, you talked a little bit about core values and the core value of growth. I'm curious, what are some other core values that you've discovered in yourself? And then second, how do you determine that that was a core value? Five years ago, I sent an email to almost anyone I know or people that I really respect in terms of their opinion. It could be people that I know for years or people that I just met, but I respect them. And I asked them two questions. One question was, what, what, do you, what do you see in me in terms of value? What do you see that I, um, what is missing when I'm not there, right? Like, what do I bring to the room? So that was the first question. The second question was like, what, 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 what do you uh, think is uh, a good role for me in life? So it's more of like in terms of society or contribution, yeah? Uh, and the answers were really, really interesting. And, uh, you know, I could find patterns. And the reason I, the reason I mentioned this kind of uh, little email thing is because a lot of time we are, again, blind to, we don't necessarily see things that other people see. And it's important to bring the two aspects together. There's certain things that obviously you feel intuitively and you say, yes, this is, this is definitely my core essence. And some other time is like to sort of see patterns outside it. Like people kind of keep saying certain things to you. Like for example, they can say, you know, you're a pretty good listener. And, and you don't, you, you may not even hear that in that sense, you know, because you just block that. So a lot of time we block certain things because we're afraid to shine, all right? We, we're afraid of certain things. We're afraid of success. We're afraid of what it means. So I would say there's two things here. First is like whatever you feel intuitively in terms of your core essence, and the second thing is like, what is repetitive? What is like, what is it, I would say even not changing really? Because when something doesn't really change, it's your essence. 
If something changes a lot of the time, that's not your essence. You know, like I'll give an example of what changes all the time. It could be, uh, you know, a lot of people define themselves uh, with their profession. You can change your profession at any, any single time. Your profession is not your essence. Like growth, for example, never changed all my life, even when I was a kid. And when I could see that, suddenly I say, oh, okay, that's an essence. I, I want to I suggest another thing. There's actually uh, an online test called 16personalities.com. Uh, it's a website. And it can reveal a lot, right, in terms of, like, essences or in terms of, like, uh, core values. Uh, there's a lot of other exercises that someone can do. Um, just to complete the, 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 the question you asked me, another value that I really strongly have is freedom. I love traveling all my life. I traveled all my life since I remember myself. And freedom is a huge component. So I, may, I try to make sure that I incorporate it as much as I can in my life. What was the site that uh, you mentioned that you can do the personality test? Yeah, it's called 16personalities.com. It's based on Myers-Briggs, which is very famous. So I've been doing it like even 20 years ago when I did my MBA. Uh, they gave me that test. But now that you can do it online, all right? And there's a lot of books about that. It's, a, it's, it's really, I mean, it's more psychological test, but it can reveal a lot. Awesome. And what were some of the things that came out of doing that test for you? Well, uh, first of all, I realized I'm a really, I'm a real growth agent. Or uh, in, in the six and personalities test, they they also give a name or label, you know, the the character. And so my character was the protagonist, or let's say the hero. Let's say so. I realized, okay, this is, you know, this is basically who I am in my essence. And in terms of professions, here's certain things that will fit me really well. For example, being a coach fits me perfectly if I if I want that, yeah. Uh, or even like being a teacher, or I mean, there's a variety of things that you can incorporate personal development in them. But I must have personal development. It's something that I mean, Tony Robbins uh, uh, talk about needs. I mean, there's a really famous TED talk that he had about six needs, and uh, one of the needs is actually growth. In my case, growth is like huge, you know, comparing to let's say another person that it may be something else. It's funny, I know there's points in my life where I was in more conservative jobs, more conservative industries or traditional industries, and I was making a lot of money, but I was bored out of my mind and because I wasn't growing. And uh, it was at that point I discovered for myself that I had that same sort of essence. So I, I can completely relate to that. And some of the people who are listening to this probably can also relate because they're listening to a growth-oriented podcast and they're probably growth-oriented. But and there's other people who are going to be driven by things that are different. Other people might be listening to this because they want to find connection or they want to get, I don't know, financially stable or they want to uh, get emotionally stable. Um, but it's so awesome to hear you talk about your process for this and discovering your essence. And I think I can hear even throughout the, the podcast how this essence that you're describing identified has sort of flowed throughout the other aspects of your life. Uh, what are some of the other tools that you used um, other than this personality test? Uh, there's many tools, actually. Um... I mean, I'm going to throw something here, like astrology, for example, has a, a certain paradigms, you know, uh, but I'm not talking about the simple astrology of like sun sign. I mean, there's a lot of, if you if you really delve into that, I actually studied astrology for a while. Um, it's it's very interesting. And also like, you know, basic, basic again, mindfulness and, and spirituality, I would say in general, if you can, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to throw something here. So half a year ago, actually a little bit more than half a year, I was bitten by a snake, all right? And I almost died. There was like 
it was quite an experience. And during that time, all right, like while I'm like kind of choking really and I can't find air and, I'm, and everything become dark and whatever, I start to hear voices, all right? Certain inner voice you can call. It's not really outside of me, it's like certain voices. And it's almost like conversation that is happening. And the reason I'm mentioning it is, is because a lot of time we are so lost in thought that we don't listen. We don't see the patterns. And there's an inner voice there that is constantly talking to us that basically say, go approach that woman, go take that job, go buy this flight ticket, All right? It's, it's sometimes very subtle. And so we need to bring quietness and I would say also space in our lives. We don't, a lot of time we don't create space because we're afraid. We just fill our day with too much stuff. Like again, like even like, you know, financial security, a lot of time is, is just because we're not confident enough. We believe that we have a lot of money, then we will be safe. Or when we have, when we uh, reach the goal, then we'll be safe. When we'll be married, then we'll be safe. Rather than anchor ourselves, all right, and, and, and in the present moment or anchor ourselves in something a little bit more deeper. Um, I know that I bring the topic of spirituality here, but I feel for me it was a huge, huge, uh, I needed it to grow. It wasn't enough anymore to read books. It wasn't enough to read other people's experience. It was more about my own inner map. And I really believe everyone has an inner map, almost kind of an inner GPS that tells us to where to go. We just, a lot of time, we just don't listen to it because of fear. All right, so fear, I think, okay, a lot of time it's, it's about understanding understanding the fear. We create fear because we believe it's going to protect us, all right? Um, I'm, I'm bringing dating a lot here, but I'll bring it again. Like, so uh, let's say, again, not approaching a woman is going to, obviously, it's going to create safety because you, can, you can't be rejected, right? When you're not trying anything, you can't be disappointed or you can't experience failure. And actually, at some point, you realize this is not failure because, because failure that is attached to an outcome it, this is what the mind uh, kind of labels as failure. But for me, failure is not going in the direction of your dream, not uh, uh, experience the full authentic you, not fully living, all right? That's in many ways, not being alive, that's, that's failure, all right? And so I would say go in, sometimes like if there's a fear, like listen to it, see what's the reason, and not necessarily be afraid to go there. All right, and the, the word that I want to bring here is courage. Courage is basically going with your heart and taking action. So there is fear with courage. Courage cannot exist without fear. All right, so you fear a lot of time. We try to avoid it almost like, okay, no, no fear, no fear, no fear, no fear. I say, no, 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 no. Actually, go and think, what are you really afraid of? Are you really afraid of beautiful women? Like, really afraid? Like, you freeze, let's say, when, when they're there? If you, if you do, go and explore that. And actually, basically, that will, that will what really uh, release uh, uh, freedom, let's say, you, you feel very free, you know, when you actually go there. And so I, I really like the, the word courage more than, than being fearless. I don't really believe in, 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 let's say, life with no fear. Maybe it exists, you know, in a non-human kind of level. But in general, I would say courage is really important. Go and take an experiment. And again, I bring the word experiment. That's, and, and use, like I say, okay, I'm going to be courageous and I'm going to throw an experiment to exercise my courage. That's it. That's, I really believe in that. You've sort of reframed fear in your mind, right? To make it uh, something that you could actually approach and use to your advantage to a certain extent. 
Yeah, if you if you like me, passionate about growth, if you want to grow, if you want to kind of like, you know, kind of advance or elevate yourself, then in some ways you have to get out of your comfort zone. In order to get out of your comfort zone, it's not going to be comfortable. <laughs> so, so I, I feel like fear, actually, you could look at it as a positive feeling. Actually, emotions are not necessarily positive or negative. Sometimes, by the way, um, even anger, right? Like anger could be a positive emotion. It's, it's like you're releasing something, right? You may be able to release it in different ways, but like, let's say in, in certain moments when a person doesn't know better, like anger could be a very useful emotion. And that's why we, we do it, right? I, I, I mean, I, I can give examples from my life, but, but I would say is that like not necessarily label emo your emotion as positive or negative, just look at them, just see them. And then like similar with fear, fear could be actually a positive emotion. It, can, it could almost guide you to where to go, <laughs> you know, rather than being, being afraid of fear. So you're saying to move towards the fear? Yeah, I mean, not, this is, the way I look at it is, is, is this, you know, you don't want to be constantly, uh, th there's a balance to it, all right? Like it's not like, oh, there's fear, let's go there. Oh, here's fear, let's go there. You basically, I call it choose your battles, all right? Sometimes we can't, we, we don't want to go too much out of a comfort zone because it's maybe too uncomfortable and going to create a lot of stress. So it's, it's, that's why I use the word experiment. Like you, you slowly expand your comfort zone. There's always comfort zone, all right? And you're just expanding it. And maybe uh, what, what, you know, you've, maybe you felt a lot of fear about something in your life in the past and suddenly it's, now it's comfortable. Like I remember like I had fear of, of public speaking and now public speaking is fun just because I was willing to do, uh, I, I was willing to do experiments in public speaking. Same thing with podcasts. I have zero fear to go on a podcast show because I've been experimenting with it for, you know, for so long and it's just fun now, you know, just sharing. It's now of service. It's not about like my success or not success or what people think about me and all this, all this stuff. It's just, can I be of service to this podcast? And, and even if one person listened to that, that's great enough. So it sounds like when you set up your experiments, they, well, you, you describe uh, you're doing an experiment, but it sounds like you're kind of setting up your experiments in the sense that you're not exposing yourself so much that you're so vulnerable that you'll never recover. You're just saying, well, hey, I'm, I'm going to try this. It's a little bit outside of um, my comfort zone. I'm going to experiment with it. And then that will give me the space to grow. Yes. Uh, again, I use the, word, the immersion. So basically, if I say, uh, like, for example, let's say investing is the area of focus. Like I'm, I'm focusing on investing, financial, financial investment. So then like, let's say I have fear to invest, I don't know, in Bitcoin or in, in market. So, okay, I do an experiment. Let's say, okay, I'm going to throw like a certain amount of money and I'm going to experiment with investing in the stock market. And, and then there's a lot of feedback that's going to come out of that. That's why I like the word experiments is because um, you don't necessarily just approach it from, from your mind. You basically go and like, you really want to experience the feelings and everything that all the wisdom that you can extract from that journey. So I, I treat like uh, my experiment as journeys. And so I don't try to grow in every direction because then like I may kind of, uh, you know, spread myself too thin. I try to, again, as I said, choose my battles. Uh, if it was socializing, I, I make sure I have a lot of experiments around socializing. If it's, if it's investing, it's investing and so forth. I was thinking about in our classes, sometimes we have guys who are scared to approach a woman because they're really attracted to her. Or maybe they're scared to approach women in general because usually they're scared of rejection or something related to rejection. And, and uh, usually what we tell them is think about it as a test. 
it is an experiment, same, same idea and just test because they have these, they're battling their emotions. And so you just say, well, test your, your assumptions. Like, what do you think is going to happen? You, well, what if I get rejected? Okay. If you do get rejected, like test it. Right. And, uh, t- test to see whether or not that happens, but also sort of test that, that assumption in itself. Right. So what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Uh, I'm going to get rejected. What could be like the worst form of rejection? Like she yells at me and what else could she do? Well, she could like hit me or whatever. It just gets so extreme. And you're like, well, do you really think that's going to happen? You're like, probably not. <laughs> so you test these assumptions both in behaviorally by trying to push outside of your comfort zone. And then you test them internally by, by sort of testing what could happen and what's the worst that's going to happen. And, and, and what does that mean? And, and sort of reframing them. So it's so interesting to hear how you approach a lot of your fears. It just, I uh, just want to say something here. It's really important. Like the assumptions that you test, you may actually reveal something, but don't take it like as the whole truth and nothing but the truth, all right? It's just an assumption that maybe you validate something, but it may change as well. So a lot of time we test the wrong assumption as well. You know what I mean? Like we're almost kind of proving that something is right. If you want to prove that you're not not good looking, let's say, and you, you may actually like, you know, you may validate that because you're self-focused on testing the wrong assumption. I, I, I say, I like, I like the word curiosity, being curious. I am curious what is going to happen when X, Y, Z happens, you know? And so it's just basically like being in a state of constant curiosity to life. I'm curious why I was bitten by a snake. I'm really curious about it. rather than judge it. Oh, it's bad. And I'm, I'm curious, like I'm curious about how does it feel I mean, it sounds a little bit extreme, all right? But I'm curious, how does it feel to have all this poison in my body, all right? I never experienced that. I'm curious about that, you know, rather than like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I'm freaking out, creating so much stress in your body and so forth. I think in my case with the snake bite, I was uh, for six days in the hospital. I was, I think I was really, I was able to recover pretty quickly once I was in the hospital because I was like, I was not judging it anymore. I wasn't so stressed. On the contrary, I, I saw how it could be very useful to my life and how I can even like share this story and, and inspire people and so forth. And that is what I feel the key thing here. Choose empower, empowering beliefs, empowering test empowering assumptions. I think that's a great point. It's funny, I didn't even think about that in the sense that when I'm, I'm talking about someone uh, testing assumptions, I never even think that somebody in our class is going to validate a negative assumption <laughs> because usually like I'm seeing a different truth, right? I, I'm, uh, if their fear is to approach women and to me, it's like sort of irrational. At one time it was a real fear, but now I, I think it's a normal fear, but I also think it's an irrational fear generally. But I like the idea of using curiosity because that allows you to do it on your own. Right. So if you're a person and you're on your own and you're trying to figure out how do I give myself permission in a way to sort of stretch and grow and make mistakes and uh, curiosity is a great way to think about it. You, you were talking earlier about how spirituality has had a massive impact on your life. Can you talk a little bit about sort of your spiritual practice? Well, before the practice or the doing, let's say, um, just anchor my anchor myself in the fact that I am a spiritual being. All right. Before the the form, uh, there is a, an essence of being in me. All right. Like so, an example: I can perceive myself, or I can observe myself talking. I can I can be like you know. I can, so I don't necessarily have to be attached to form so much. 
So if I basically look at life, it's it's both form, right, the human side, let's say, and the being part, right? It's human being, and they come together, and that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to blend the the two together, but not forget the spiritual side of me. A lot of time we we just forget about it. We're so anchored in in form. And form is everything, yeah. Like it's a, a, a when I say everything, it's like it's 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 even thought, it's even like uh, uh, emotions, it's it's your body, it's money, it's uh, I don't know the girl, it's anything like you know. The, and the the thing that are not form, all right, like your your being and whatever. Sometimes it's it's hard to anchor yourself there because you can't you can't you can't sense it, all right. You can't touch it. <laughs> uh, so my my practice would say would be first of all to make sure. I am aware of that, or I'm bringing balance. It's not just about the doing, it's also about the being. So if I go into a room, let's say, uh, to give a lecture, or even here in this podcast, all right, it's not just about what I say, it's also about my presence. And my presence is enough. That's something that is very, very important for me. My presence is enough. Otherwise, I can lose myself in the doing. And not like, you know, again, being an anchor in my presence. I can change so much just by being in the room. I can contribute so much to society just by, by being. I don't have to say much. Actually, for dating, for example, that could be very, very useful. Because uh, I remember, like, you know, I, I, sometimes I see a lot of people that really try to validate themselves with whatever they do, with how smart they are, how beautiful they are, how, how talkative they are, how connected they are. And that don't actually, they don't bring the presence, you know. And sometimes silence can be powerful. You don't necessarily have to talk so much. <laughs> like just smiling could be amazing. A smile could could change someone's life. I'm 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 not exaggerating here, right? Like I'm really emphasizing it. I recently heard someone use a quote, and they were saying that music was the absence of sound between notes, or the silence between notes, something to that effect. And it's a really interesting idea, right? Because if there's just constant sound, it's just like a sort of overwhelming. It's not music. Music is really sort of the space between sounds. And a lot of life is like that, right? A lot of our relationships are like that. A lot of our conversations are like that. <laughs> you, don't have to, yeah. you don't have to be talking the entire time. Otherwise, you're in constant validation. And I think, you know, you probably uh, in your, uh, you talk a lot about validation, I guess. But if you constantly need to prove something, you may not enjoy the journey. And really, we're here to enjoy the journey. <laughs> you know, we're not here to just achieve and achieve and, and get and, and go somewhere. We're here to enjoy the moment by moment. And so no need for validation, no need to prove anything, really. If you come with anchored with your presence, my presence is enough. Like, I'm amazing just being in a room. That, that can change everything. When you think of spirituality, what do you, for you, like, like how do you describe that? I, I was thinking about a lot of things while you were talking. I was thinking a lot about the yin-yang, like the structure and, uh, versus chaos, finding meaning between the two. I mean, there's a lot of ideas that I was sort of connecting in my brain. But I'm curious, like when you think of spirituality, how do you describe that? So spirituality, uh, my definition anyway, it's beyond form, all right? It's, you know, the spirit is beyond the, again, the human side of me. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll give the example of Monopoly, all right? So when you play Monopoly, all right, and I don't know, you, you want to win, all right? The game, you build houses, you advance, you grow, you're the hero, blah, blah, blah. But you, see, you know that it's a game. 
So that's basically for me like kind of the spiritual side, all right? So I can see the form, I can see my body, but I don't have to be attached to, to the body. I don't have to be attached to the form. You know what I mean? Like I am anchored in the eternal, which is spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm observing, I can see, I can see myself, you know, from, this, from the outside. When you actually can see something, all right, like from the outside, or you see a thought, that's spirituality. Like, because you're already observing the thought. You're now the observer. You're not, you're not the thought. There's a separation now. And obviously, you are everything in that sense. Like, you know, I'm not trying to kind of go too much uh, uh, extreme in that sense that like, oh, you know, just anchor yourself in spirituality in that state. Not at all. The, the, the game is still important, all right? You still play to enjoy the game. You still play to win, all right? Because otherwise, the game is boring. But you see it as a game. And that's for me, like, you know, kind of, again, more of this, the, the spiritual side. Not to be a Bring a little bit more lightness. I think, like, the, the people that I see that are most heavy and serious, they are very not, they're, they're, they're usually opposite of spirituality. The people that are more light in life, they're more laughing and dancing and singing and joking and whatever. That is where the spirit is. That's where the spirituality side is. They're not taking it too seriously. So even thing with dating and stuff, you can take it too seriously. You have to get the girl. No, you don't have to get the girl. All right? I mean, I can go extreme into like when I was, again, beaten by a snake, what was really important for me was just breathing. That was the basic, basic, basic human uh, function that I needed. That was a real need. And we... I think, again, in the Western society, mainly, uh, bombarded by advertisement and, all, and so forth and, and a lot of interest, we are bombarded that we need so many things. And I feel like, you know, when you, we basically balance it and we say, all right, we don't need all of that. It's a want. It's good. I want to play the game. You know what? I want to be a millionaire. I want to be rich. I want to, I want to have the most. I want to be, you know, married, five kids. Good. It's still a game. <laughs> It's still, it's still, it's just to be light. That's it. That's, that's spirituality. Be light, be, be loving, be happy. Happiness is spirituality. When you're happy, when you're joyful, that's spirituality. You know, for me, that, that's practice. You want to practice spirituality? Practice the things beyond form. Love is spirituality. It's beyond. Like you can't, you know, we can talk about love until tomorrow, but we only talk, you know, any word that we use only define part of it, a small part of it. So the things you cannot define it's spirituality. Like if you want to practice love, how do you, because at some point you have to take sort of this feeling and put it into something that's structured, right? Um, or do you? Yeah, well, it's not separate. As I said, it's like the being and the doing. So the doing is also important. Again, I, I want to play Monopoly. <laughs> I want to play. But uh, first of all, there's a being. So not forget about that. And from there, like, you know, go into whatever you do. Like you want to learn drumming, or you want to dance, let's say you learn salsa or anything, you want to write a book, before you jump into all the strategies and, and actually the writing, first of all, anchor yourself in, it could be like very short meditation. 10 seconds, just sensing your body, and then go and dance. Or even like this podcast, all right? I can first anchor myself in the being and then come into this podcast from a place of, Actually, I mean, you, you caught me in a good day because I just came from a swimming pool. I, I'm energized. I'm really like alive, all right? I feel my body. And this is why this podcast feels to me like, as, like I'm, I feel like I'm in a state of flow just because I was feeling my body before. 
and I just got into that stress. Oh, you know, I need to. What was the questions? What are you going to ask me? You know, I hope I sound good. I hope blah 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 blah. And that process, it sounds like for you, allows you instead of getting uh, into that analysis paralysis you described at the beginning, allows you to sort of get started, get going, and see where things go, and be open to opportunities. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Though I'm going to close my eyes sometimes, and I just like you know anchor myself, and then I jump into things. Uh, it could be anything, public speaking, anything. I feel first, feel my body. That's the easiest way to kind of do it. All right, but at some point, I feel like. Once you do it for so long, all right, once you're actually like in a more sensing mode and less in a thinking mode, not that, not that thinking mode is bad. Again, like it's, it's more bringing some balance. Once you're more in a sensing mode, it's just become like a second, second nature to you. It's not necessarily, you don't necessarily need to do another habit or process or whatever. You are alive, period. Period. There's nothing necessarily you need to do. You, you just bring your aliveness to wherever you are. Uh, and sometimes, yeah, you need to maybe like, you know, yeah, I need to to do some strategies here. I need to kind of sit, uh, close close my eyes or close the door or go to the swing pool or whatever. But I feel like, you know, if I can give one small step to anyone is start feeling your body. Start moving your body. You can jump. You can do something with your body. Uh, but just bringing more sensing, that would be uh, a good first step. Awesome, pal. I mean, with that, I think we'll sort of wrap things up. Can you tell us if somebody wants to get a hold of you, they want to reach out, they want to find your book, how do they contact you? Well, the book would be a very good uh, intro uh, for everything that I do. So the book called The Art of Fully Living, uh, it's on Amazon. So just go to Amazon or even Google my name or type my name on on Amazon. And the blog that I have is uh, fullylived.com. Or again, just Google my name, Tal Gore. Awesome, Tal. Thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, hopefully we can chat again soon. This was awesome. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's Dating Coach Chris Thona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.